Even folks, oh, I'm on already. You guys okay? Are you? Is anyone here depressed and they're not at home watching the tennis? Is it over? Don't tell me. Don't tell me. That's not bad news. That's not good news by the side. Anyway, good to be with you. Good to be in God's presence. And we're right in the middle of a series on the Holy Spirit. Uh, Today's message is called Being Led by the Spirit. Why don't we pray? Uh, Join me as we just pray together. Father, thank you so much that you're very real, uh, that you're here by your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray as we are opening the Word tonight and we're looking at who you are, we're looking about how you lead us, would you speak to us? God, we're here because we want to learn, we're here because we want to hear from you. And I just pray, God, would you whisper into our heart the things we need to hear tonight. Lord, just teach us. Holy Spirit, be the teacher. Would you move amongst us? Would you transform our lives? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to say in starting, we're talking about being led by the Spirit. I want to say just to begin that everyone is led. Everyone is led by something. Everyone on planet Earth is being led by something or someone fact. Everyone in this room, you are led by something or someone fact. I am led by something or someone. It's a fact. Whatever it is that's calling the shots in your life, whatever it is that dominates your mind, whatever it is that keeps you awake at night, that is the thing that is leading your life. What what would you say are some of the things that are leading people's lives around our world today? Throw out some suggestions. What, what are, what's leading people? The people you interact with on a daily basis in your work, the people you bump into in the streets. What's leading their lives, do you think? Money. Money. Power. Power. Ambition. Ambition. What? Career. Career? Okay. What was that you said? Love. It could be positive things. We ultimately think negatives. It could be positive things. Materialism, these are a lot of similar things coming out this evening. It could be ambition, could be your peers, could be fear, could be lust, could be money. And whatever it is, and as prevalent as these things are in our world today, they're ultimately going to end with a sense of emptiness because none of these things have the ability to satisfy. The Bible keeps it quite simple. It says we're either in one of two camps. We're either people who are being led by what's called the flesh or we're people who are being led by the spirit. Let's look at some verses together. You got your Bibles? You probably don't need them because it might come up on the screen there. Romans 8 is a very famous passage. Ashley, is Sammy here yet? Is he back from his holiday? No? Uh, Ashley could repeat this off by heart, couldn't you? Our Destiny College student. Um, I'll, not, I'll not put you on the spot. But here's what it says. Romans 8, verse 5 to 11, verses 12 to 14. It says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. 
The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not subject itself to God's law, nor can it do so. Do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. And verse 12, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are being led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So there we have it. The flesh or the Spirit. That's the choice. That's the two. So what's the flesh? Tell me. What's the flesh? When the Bible speaks of a flesh, what's it talking about? Your sinful nature, Lynn is saying. Do you agree with her? Man, you're full of life tonight. The sinful nature is the correct answer. It's the nature that every human being, bar one, has been born with. The way they started life since Genesis 3. When mankind rebelled against God in the Garden of Eden. And this has become, the flesh has become, if you like, the factory default setting in our life. That's the way we are born. And there's a big problem that comes with that. It's told, we were told in verse 13. But if you are living according to the flesh, you will die. The New American Standard Version says you must die. That's pretty strong language. If you are living according to the flesh, you must die. That's a problem. If you are leading, if you're being led by the flesh, the only possible outcome is death. And it's not talking about physical death. It's not talking about the day you die physically, because we'll all do that. It's talking about a, a kind of spiritual death, a separation, an eternal separation from God and the things of God. The good news is that you don't have to go that way. Christians believe that you can have your factory default reset. That we can actually become what's called a new creature. How do we do that? Well, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So what does it mean to be in Christ? Well, it means to be believing that nothing but the death and resurrection of Jesus can save us from the spiritual death. It's putting our full trust in Jesus Christ alone. And by being in Christ, everything has changed, including our allegiance to this thing called the flesh. We are no longer obliged to live according to the flesh. We're no longer obliged to do what the flesh tells us to do. We sang a lot this morning or this evening about our chains being gone. Speaking of freedom, that means we are no longer obligated to do the things that the sinful flesh tells us we need to do. We don't need to do that anymore. Everything's changed. We have become new creatures in Christ. We are led no longer by the flesh, but by the Holy Spirit. And what's different there? Is that the Bible said the mind set on the spirit is life. Say life. Life and peace. In John 6 and verse 63 it says that the spirit gives 
life. So instead of this spiritual death we're experiencing, the spirit in us, being led by the spirit, has exactly the opposite result, which is life. If we are led by the spirit of Christ, it's a leading into life. And that can be eternal life, of course, but I believe it's more than that. It's the abundant life that Christ has called us to. Here's the truth. If you allow yourself to be led by the Holy Spirit, he will lead you into the deepest and richest kind of life that you can ever imagine. That's a promise. That's a promise. That's what it means to be led by the Holy Spirit. So the question is, are you willing to come under the leadership of the Holy Spirit? Are you willing to? That's your choice. Are you willing to come under the leadership of the Holy Spirit? Are you willing to trust that the Holy Spirit has better things to lead you into than you can personally choose for yourself? Are you willing to believe that? Do you trust Him enough to submit yourself to His leadership? Are we willing to humble ourselves and to put our lives into the hand of another, the Holy Spirit? These are maybe challenging thoughts for us. What I want to do this evening is just kind of unpack, try and explain some of the ways that I believe the Holy Spirit leads us and some of the things that he leads us into. I've got four things. You ready for four things? The first one is this, number one. The Spirit leads us into fellowship with him. Say fellowship. The Holy Spirit leads us into fellowship with him. Him. One of the most remarkable things about the Christian message, and it's a message that you won't hear in Islam, you won't hear it in Buddhism, you won't hear it in Hinduism. It's a message that Christians alone carry, and it's this, that the creator of the whole earth, the whole universe, the God who flung the stars into space, the God who created everything and holds everything in his hand, wants to get up close and personal with you. He wants to get up close and personal with you by his Holy Spirit. That, my friends, is good news. You can say amen if you believe it. That's good news. The creator of everything wants to relate to you. He wants to relate to you on a personal and intimate level. He does. Do you believe me? Do you believe me? He wants to relate to you in a personal and intimate way. Bible tells us that he lives in us. You don't get a whole lot closer than that, do you? He lives in us. Here's some verses for you. This is a verse, if you're brought up in church circles, you may be very familiar with the 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 14. It says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. What does that mean? Fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I'll read another verse, uh, a couple of verses, Philippians 2, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in the Spirit, intent on one purpose. But what I wanted you to see there was the word which I've underlined, fellowship of the Spirit. Now, we've talked previously, at least 
a number of times on the concept of fellowship with other Christians, haven't we? I remember very relatively recently talking about fellowshipping with other believers. Does anyone remember? I'm testing you now whether you're listening. Does anyone remember what the Greek word for fellowship was? Shout it out loud if you know. Very good Bible scholars. And the Greek word for fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. And do you remember what it meant? Obviously, it means fellowship. Do you remember um, some of the other connotations it had? To know. Anything else? Speaks of a sharing, speaks of a communion. It speaks of a close, close relationship or a partnership. It speaks of complete oneness and togetherness. It speaks of sharing at a deep level. And what the Bible is telling us here is this is the kind of fellowship, this is the kind of relationship that the Holy Spirit wants to have with you. It's not just about you relating to other believers and you ought to have deep, meaningful, heart-to-heart relationships with other Christians. But the Bible here is telling us that he wants to have intimate, close, up-close and personal relationship with you. He does. He does. Beyond your wildest dreams, he does. He does. It says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. People often think that's talking about when Jesus wants to, to save you and come into you in a, in, a kind of, in a kind of saving way. But actually, this letter is written to a church. So it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. There was a pastor who was visiting uh, one of his, one of the people in his congregation, and he was uh, went to the house. He went up to the door. And he knocked on the door, and uh, there was no answer. And he was a bit disappointed because it was obvious that there was someone home because the lights were on, uh, there was music playing, and the car was in the driveway. So there was someone there. Um, he just obviously didn't want to meet this pastor, and so he's quite disappointed. He kept knocking, kept knocking for, for a few more minutes. And then he thought, well, I'm not getting anywhere here. Uh, I'll disappear. So he takes his little card with his name on it. And he writes a little verse, or a, at least the, the reference of the verse on the card. Revelation 3, verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Uh, a few days later, when the guy's at church, when the pastor's at church, uh, the offering's gone round at the end of the service and the treasurer is counting the money in the back room uh, and the pastor passes by and the guy says, oh, there's a card for your pastor and he hands him the card and uh, it's the same card that he put through the door with Revelation 3.20 on it. The only other thing that's on the card is another scripture reference, Genesis 3.10. And the guy's, I'm not sure what that means, so he reaches for his Bible, looks it up and it says this, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid for I was naked. (laughs) Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Try and get that out of your head now. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. I don't know if you've noticed in the Bible, but there's a whole lot of food going on. Have you ever noticed that? Um, there's a lot of eating involved, a lot of people relating over meals. In fact, in the Bible, eating with someone was a sign of 
relationship. It was a sign of intimacy. And uh, what we notice here is that Jesus is saying, I will come into him and I will dine with him. That is, I will get up close and personal with him. I will relate to him at a heart-to-heart level. That's what he's saying by saying, I want to dine with you. What else do we notice from this verse? Well, we notice, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus doesn't do a Daniel Craig and pick the lock or break the door down. He says, I stand at the door and knock. He's waiting for your response. What does that tell you? The ball is in your court. The ball is in your court. The level of intimacy, the level of fellowship, the level of sharing at a deep level you have with Christ through his Holy Spirit is completely up to you. It's in your hands. It's not him. It's not up to him. It's up to you. He stands at the door and he knocks. The level of closeness you've experienced with the Holy Spirit is not a reflection of his desire to fellowship with you. It's a reflection of your desire to fellowship with him and that only. Truth is, you're as close to God as you want to be. Fact. Maybe that's an uncomfortable concept for some of you. But it's true. You are as close to God as you want to be. It's in your court. The degree to which you fellowship closely with him is in your hands. It is your choice to make. He always desires it. He stands at the door and he knocks. Did you know that you can relate to God, the Holy Spirit, in a tangible, real, experiential way? Do you know that you can feel him touching you closely? Do you know that you can feel the emotions of God? Did you know that he can cause strange things to go on physiologically for you? Anyone ever honestly felt the presence of God in their body in a, in a real way? Put up your hand. Real things happen when we get up close and personal with the Holy Spirit. Did you know that he can change your emotions? Did you know that he can change your, your character? Did you know that he can reveal Jesus to you? Did you know that he can make the Bible exciting? Did you know that he can fill you with joy and boldness? All of these things are possible if we just open up our hearts wide enough to allow this relationship, this Holy Spirit closeness, um, if we allow the Holy Spirit in in that way. So the question is, how deep are you willing to go? How deep are you willing to go? How far are you willing to take this thing? As I've said before, it's in your core. Jesus said, John 7, verse 37, if anyone is thirsty, say thirsty. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Ask yourself, are you thirsty? If you are, he would be happy to lead you into this kind of deep fellowship with him. You just have to want it enough. The second thing that Spirit leads us into, I believe, or certainly he leads us away from sin and into Christ-likeness. The Spirit leads us away from sin and into Christ-likeness. We read earlier, but if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are Sons of God. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. 
In other words, the fact that you're being led by the Spirit of God demonstrates that your faith in Christ is real and that you are a child of God. Being led by the Spirit demonstrates that. But what I want you to notice in addition here is the word for. Say for. It's a very simple word. You may one of those words that you probably didn't even notice in the text there. But it exists and it exists for a reason. It's called a conjunction. A conjunction, in my understanding, is, is, a, is a word that links one thought with another thought, one clause with another clause, one sentence with another sentence. In this case, it links one verse with another verse. So it says, but if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Verse 13, verse 14, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. And right in the middle, we've got this word for, which tells me, what do you think it tells me? That the two verses are connected. The two things are related, okay? So in verse 13, we've got, but if by the Spirit you're putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And verse 14, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. So what I conclude is that if you're being led by the Spirit of God, what that's going to translate into in your life is that your sinful tendencies are going to be constantly displaced by this presence of the Holy Spirit in you and the, holy, and the holiness that he's producing in you. And that doesn't mean that you're, if you're led by the Spirit, you become all heavy or you become full of condemnation or you become focused on your sin. It just means that you've got a spiritual coach inside of you who's not going to allow you to settle for compromise. He's not going to allow you to be at peace with pursuing the flesh any longer. He's not going to be allow you to pursue a lifestyle that is inconsistent with being a child of God. He won't condemn you, but he might refine you. He won't criticize you, but he might exhort you. He won't bully you, but he might shape with you. he might shape your life. And if you're truly being led by the Spirit of God, I would suggest that more and more your life is going to look like the life of Christ. It's going to become Christ-like. And we're going to look a bit more at that when we come on to talking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. What I want you to notice, again, we're talking about the Holy Spirit leading us away from sin and into Christ-likeness. What I want you to be reminded of is the Holy Spirit's name. He's called the Holy Spirit. What do you think that suggests? Come humor me here. What do you think that suggests? It means he's holy. Yes, thanks. Thanks for that. He's holy. He's a holy spirit. He's a person of holiness, which means that he's not going to lead you into anything unholy. Yeah? So this is a useful tool to help us understand whether, at times, whether or not it's the Holy Spirit who's leading us or whether it's something else that's leading us. The Holy Spirit will never lead you into anything unholy. So if you sense a leading to start a romantic relationship with somebody who's married to somebody else, that is not the Holy Spirit. If you feel a leading to fiddle your tax return, um, that is probably not the Holy Spirit. If you feel a leading to slander somebody else in church, then that's not the Holy Spirit leading you. None of these things can be the case. If you felt a leading this evening to watch the tennis rather than coming to church, 
probably wasn't the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit will lead us away from sin and into Christ's likeness. Third thing that the Holy Spirit leads us into is understanding. Understanding. It says in John 16, this is Jesus speaking, verses 12 and 13, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of truth. He delights to help you understand truth. You know, we as Christians believe that the Bible is God's word. Okay? And in the Bible, in Jesus, Jesus, in John chapter 17, this is the chapter after the one we just read, Jesus said, God's, your word, Father, is truth. Your word is truth. So Jesus is saying, your word, God, is truth. So God's word is truth, and if the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth, what, the, what that means really is that the Holy Spirit is going to guide us into all of God's word. He's going to help us get it. He's going to help us understand it. He's going to help us apply it in our lives. He's going to help it come alive to us. It says the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. How many of you at times have found the Bible difficult to understand? If you're honest enough, probably all of us have been in that camp sometimes. The good news is we've got a guide. We've got a guide. Any of you been jungle exploring in your life? Wow, a couple of brave people have. Anyone been up a, a big mountain? I'm not talking Arthur's Seat or anything like that. Kilimanjaro or Everest or something spectacular. Uh, a couple of hands went up at the back. You put them down immediately when I said Everest. But we'll give you, give you some credit. You've been up a mountain, which is better than some of you. Uh, anyone been, been here being on a bus tour before? Let's lower the level a little bit. A few more nods. Different scale. But what they all have in common is that probably in each case you would have been presented with a guide. What's a guide? A guide is somebody who's been there before and who knows the way. And this is important to realize when we're talking about the Holy Spirit being a guide because he's been there before and he knows the way. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit, I wish I had a Bible, (laughs) that the Holy Spirit, imagine I have a Bible here. (laughs) Give me a Bible, somebody, I need a Bible. Thanks, (laughs) thanks, Jane. Would have been a better preacher if I had a Bible, I'm sure. What was I going to say? I have no idea. <laughs> what was I talking about? Being a guide. Yeah. I was going to say, I have no idea what I was going to say, but it was a really good point. <laughs> I, was going to t- I was talking about the Holy Spirit has been here before and he knows the way. He inspired every single word that is written in these pages. Do you believe that? Do you believe that it is his delight to tell us what these things mean? You should if you don't. It's his delight to unfold and unpack and bring revelation about his word. He would delight to do that if you'd let him. Sometimes we don't give him the chance. Sometimes we don't wait long enough. Sometimes we're not patient enough for him to unfold these very words before our eyes. He penned these words using people to do it. He's been here before and he knows the way. So if you let him, he will... Can I keep this? Not just for, yeah, thanks. He will 
leads you into all truth. That's what the Bible says. We've got a guide. Has anyone got a smartphone here? Has it got Google Maps on it? Have you ever used it? It's kind of cool, isn't it? Have you ever tried to find a remote country location with it, though? You've done that. You've made that mistake. <laughs> I've made that mistake too many times. Google Maps is excellent in town, but if you, if you say, take me to this remote location, it will take you within a, the vicinity of two or three miles, um, but you will probably struggle to find the exact location. Probably some of you have been in a situation where it's found a completely different remote location 50 miles away from the one you were trying to find. And the good news is that regarding the Bible and his word and his truth, the Holy Spirit is your guide. He knows what he meant when he wrote it. And he would be only too delighted to lead you into it if you'll let him. Here's a verse, slightly changing tack here, but it's a verse you well know probably. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9, it says, No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor mind conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Maybe, how many of you have committed that to memory as a, a memory verse? Some of you maybe know that. Not many of you. Awesome. You maybe need to... You ever thought about remembering the Bible? That would be a good thing to do. whole different sermon. Anyway, here's a verse that just reveals to us that the plans that God has for people who love him, who are in relationship with him, are so spectacular that we can't even conceive of them in our natural minds we can't we haven't seen it with our eyes we haven't heard it with our ears and it hasn't even registered in here how spectacular and how phenomenal it is but does anyone know what verse 10 says has it gone up on the screen not yet does anyone know what verse 10 because i would guess that a lot of you knew that verse as soon as i started saying it didn't you you'd heard that verse before what does verse 10 say bring it up for us sarah It says, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So what what the verses are saying, what I want you to see here, is that no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor mind has conceived, what God has prepared for those who love him. In other words, we can't fathom it by ourselves. We can't understand it by ourselves. But... The Holy Spirit has the ability to and the desire to reveal to us things that we would never have come up with ourselves. He's got the desire and the willingness and the ability to open your eyes to see things that you would never have seen before with your own natural mind or your own natural eye. So I want to encourage you. Revelation is what the Holy Spirit does. He desires to give you, you and I, normal, ordinary human beings spiritualized to see even the deep things of God. He'll do that for you if you let him once again. If you let him. Allow him to lead you into this stuff. It's really exciting. Job 32 verse 8 says, But it is the spirit in man, the breath of the Almighty, that makes him understand. It's the breath of the Almighty that makes him understand understand. So the Holy Spirit, if you'll let him, will lead you into a deep new revelation of his word. Just give him that opportunity. Number four, and lastly, the Spirit leads us into the adventure of life. 
I don't know if you've ever read the book of Acts. How many of you have read the book of Acts at some point in your life, picked it up? It's just an incredible book. If you, you can't but help but be amazed if you read it. If you read it and you believe this stuff actually happened. Just extraordinary things. Stuart mentioned one in the worship. Paul and Silas are in the jail. They're praising God. And the prison just breaks open. Their, their chains fall off. This stuff actually happened. 3,000 people added to the church in one day, on one occasion. One guy crippled from birth gets miraculously healed instantly. Things like Stephen getting stoned to death is praying on his deathbed as people are chucking rocks at him. Not pebbles, rocks. As they're trying to kill the guy, he's saying, God, please don't hold this against him. Would you do that? You know, this stuff is just incredible. Peter's shadow allegedly was healing people. Philip was miraculously teleported from one place to another. Saul, the the Christian killer, is transformed overnight and becomes a radical Christ follower. Uh, An angel breaks Peter out of prison. There was all of these things happened in the book of Acts. And that's just in the first 10 chapters or something. That's only a third of the book. These things, these miraculous things happened all the time. How was it possible? It was possible because people filled with the Holy Spirit allowed themselves to be led by the Holy Spirit. And these things, folks, are possible still today. Can you say amen? Can you say it like you mean it? These things can actually happen today. The Holy Spirit spoke in Acts. God's people did it. And amazing things happened. Here's some examples of the Holy Spirit speaking uh, in the book of Acts. Acts 8 verses Verse 29, it says, Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go up and join this chariot. Uh, There's the account with the Ethiopian eunuch. And uh, Philip is encouraged by the Holy Spirit, Go up and join the chariot. And he goes and he explains the gospel to this guy. The guy gets saved, he gets baptized. And then probably what happened was he went to Ethiopia where he was headed and probably opened up that entire nation, that entire continent possibly for the gospel. Acts 11, verse 11, Acts 11 verses 11 to 12 says, And behold, at that moment, three men appeared at the house in which they were staying, having been sent to me from Caesarea. This is Peter giving this account. The Spirit told me to go with them without misgiving. The Spirit told me. Acts 13, 2 to 4. When they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said... Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed sailed to Cyprus. The Holy Spirit said, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul. Acts 16 verses 6 to 7. They passed through the the Phrygian and Galatian region having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they came to Mycenae, they were trying to go to Bithynia, man, all these big words, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. The Holy Spirit is speaking. He's speaking to these people, these people who were willing to listen. He was speaking to them. And they they were allowing him to lead them. The Holy Spirit still speaks today. He still wants to lead you 
in this way. The voice that they heard is the voice that Jesus wants you to hear. The apostles, the, the disciples, were just guys. They were just guys like you and I. They were normal people. And they heard the Holy Spirit. They listened to him. And they acted on what he was saying. And I challenge you. I challenge myself. Will we dare to listen? Will we dare to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying? And will we dare to act on what he says? I want to give you just, more or less in closing, a, a model um, to help, 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 I guess, allow ourselves to be led by the Holy Spirit. And this isn't a kind of magic formula. It isn't a mantra. It isn't a, it isn't a law. Um, it's just something that hopefully will help anchor some of these thoughts and help you to apply them in your life. It's a threefold model. It goes like this. Ask, say ask. Expect, say expect. And initiate. Ask, expect, initiate. Just very quickly unpack that for you. First of all, ask. In the book of James in the New Testament, it tells us that very often we do not have because we do not ask God. When was the last time you asked the Holy Spirit to lead you, to speak to you? When was the last time you really asked him? Oftentimes if we fail to see any miraculous things in our lives or if we fail to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, it's because we aren't asking. And so I want to encourage you to dare to ask. Dare to ask him tomorrow morning when you're on your way to work, when you're having your quiet time in the morning, or whether you're on the bus, wherever it is, doesn't matter. Just ask him, Holy Spirit, how would you like to use me today? What would you like to say to me today? I promise you, if you start asking more, you'll start hearing more. I promise you that. If you start asking more, you'll start hearing more. So purposely ask him to speak to you, to reveal his heart to you and to show him, to show you what he really wants to do through you. Secondly, expect. Expect to hear him. Expect that he actually will speak and that he will actually speak to you. Expect that you have the ability to hear him. Gordon will probably point out in a few weeks' time that it says in John 10 that my sheep hear my voice. If you're a sheep, which you are, if you believe in Christ, if you follow him, unfortunately the Bible says that you're a sheep. What that means is you have the ability to hear the shepherd's voice. You do. You do and you should because you are one of his. And so you've got to believe that the same Holy Spirit is inside you that is, that is the one that was inside the folks in Acts that led them. And you know, sometimes he'll speak in dramatic ways. Sometimes you might hear an audible voice. Sometimes you might have a vision. You may even have an angel show up on your doorstep. Let me know if you do. But more often than not, it will just be a simple whisper in your heart saying, this is the way. Walk in it. That's more often than not how it will come. And you need to be in a place of peace enough and a place of undistractedness, if that's a word, enough to hear that voice. You need to be in a place of desire. You need to be in a place of expecting it. Ask him, expect it. And I believe 
it'll come. You know, sometimes I believe that Christians miss the voice of the Holy Spirit because there's, they think it's too obvious or it's too natural or it's too normal. I want to tell you that walking with the Holy Spirit and walking with God in many ways is supernatural, but in a lot of ways it's just very, very normal. It's the way it's supposed to be. It's natural. So when you hear a, a little voice on the inside of you during your day saying, call your wife, she really needs encouragement. That may well be the Holy Spirit speaking to you, leading you. When you, see, when you hear a little voice inside of you saying, just go and smile at that person. Strike up, strike, strike up a conversation with them. They really need some encouragement. They really need to hear what you've got to say. It might well be the Holy Spirit. When you hear that little voice say, don't park there. You'll get a ticket. God speaks like that. I actually believe that God speaks about those issues. Some people think, Graham, you're being silly. It's not true. I believe God is interested in details like that. He's interested in every detail of your life. When you hear that little voice saying, place your bet on that horse. (laughs) I'm joking. Joking with that one. But the Holy Spirit speaks in just really ordinary, natural ways. You just need to learn to listen. The more you listen, the more you'll be accustomed to his voice. And the more you'll see the supernatural just follow you around. So listen. Have an expectation that he will speak to you. One thing I want to just make you aware of is that if you are prepared to live a life being led by the Holy Spirit, allowing him to speak to you, what will happen is he will lead you into mission. If you you read uh, Acts, those verses we read earlier, Probably nine times out of ten, when it, when it says the Holy Spirit spoke, it was speaking to them something pertaining to mission, reaching people, going to certain places, going with certain people in order to share the gospel. So I have to warn you in a way that if you're, if you're going to be prepared to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, he will lead you into mission. I have to say that from Acts, I can say that also from my own experience, when I've been most attentive to the voice of the Holy Spirit, very often what he's done is he's led me to connect with people who do not have the gospel that I have. And so I want to encourage you, that's a kind of scary thing, but it's also an awesome, exciting thing. And that's why I call this section, he'll lead you into the adventure of life, because life with the Holy Spirit is an adventure. I can remember... Uh, a season of my life uh, when I was at uni and I was really doing my best to, to tap in to what the Holy Spirit was saying. And what I can tell you, and I'll base a lot of what I'm saying here tonight on experiences like that, is that when I was expecting, when I was asking, stuff happened. Stuff happened. I would be meeting people. There were several people. There were three guys, three blokes in particular that I remember clearly meeting as a result of the Holy Spirit Speaking to me, there was one time I came home. I was just about to put my key in, in the door. And I'd been praying, I think, on the way home. And what I experienced was just this little voice in my head saying, Graham, don't go home right now. Just walk to the end of the street. I have to confess, I don't always listen to those voices or I don't, know, I don't always obey them. Is that okay to say that? Um, but on this occasion, I did. And I walked to the end of the street. It was quite late at night. Um, and I came across a guy, his name was Gordon. And he, 
it wasn't Gordon from Sterling or anything like that, but it was a guy called Gordon. And I, I just got into a, a conversation with him which resulted in, in a relationship. It was a guy I'd actually seen lots of times before and I'd actually thought to myself, I really want to try and speak to that guy. I really want to share Christ with him um, because he looked like he really needed it. I mean, this guy looked like he really needed it. Um, and I have to say, nothing spectacular happened, but what it was was an opening. I got the ability to share with him I got the ability to be his friend, and actually probably that was the thing that certainly on a natural level he, he needed most. And God, I just believe that was the Holy Spirit leading me into that. There was another occasion where I was in university. Uh, I, was, I just needed a break, I think, uh, from what I was doing, and so I went out for a walk and pray. And I just believe God led me to sit in a particular place. And again, another guy, another guy full of drink, um, came and approached me. He sat down beside me and started chatting with me. And that sparked off a relationship and a friendship which went on for probably several years. And I got many opportunities to share with him. I brought him to church one time. uh, And it was just a result of what I believe was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. A final time, and this is probably the most profound for me, was a guy I met called Ronnie. Uh, And the way that came about was I was praying one day. I was lying on my bed praying. wouldn't recommend that normally. Other things normally happen when you pray lying on on your bed. Um, you get my meaning. So when I, was, when I was praying, I was lying on my bed, and uh, you know, I, I had decided that day that I would like to, or I, I had considered at least that day, I was going to go and see my gran who lived uh, across the water in Fife. Um, but I, th- I thought to myself, actually, no, I'll, just, I'll spend some time praying. So I was praying, I was on my bed, and it was like this. I don't know whether any of you have actually ever felt like something physiological was happening. And on this occasion, it's never happened before or since, I just felt like God, something was pulling my arms. It was like something was pulling me out of my lying down position and onto my feet. It was just, it was amazing. Uh, And I concluded by that, God wants me to do something. I didn't know what he wanted me to do, but I concluded maybe he's saying, actually, I want you to go and see your grand. So that's what I decided to do. Uh, But lo and behold, on the way, I bump into this guy. Again, he's full of drink. He's, He's just in need um, and again, it was just an opportunity to connect. I was in that guy's house many times after that, sharing with him. And I don't know where any of these guys are today, but what I do know is that God caused me to meet them for a reason. I believe that he spoke to me about them, and I believe actually that God wants to do this stuff all the time. I really do. And it's not all about reaching people for the gospel. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you in all kinds of ways. He wants to help you with your marriage. He wants to help you with your studies. I believe God can tell you the right books to read for your exam the next day. Some of you students need to hear that if you're doing exams. Some of you, I spoke to somebody earlier that was doing their dissertation. And God can speak to you. The Holy Spirit can tell you exactly what you need to know to complete that dissertation with strength. The Holy Spirit speaks to you in very, very practical situations. You just need to listen. You need to ask. You need to expect. And lastly, you need to initiate. That means simply you need to do something with what he's told you. You need to act on it. There's really no point in asking the Holy Spirit to lead you if you're not prepared to do what he says. So you have to be prepared to initiate Not everything that the Holy Spirit is going to lead you to do will be easy, but it will be amazing. I can promise you that. It will be amazing. It will be worth it. 
If you follow the voice of God, if you follow what the Holy Spirit is saying, he will lead you into a richer, deeper, more exciting life than you can ever produce on your own. You know, if, if we don't ask, if we don't expect, if we don't initiate, the chances are we're going to be missing a whole lot of the life that the Holy Spirit has for us, that God has for us. So I want to encourage you to do these things, and I look forward to hearing the stories that you can tell me. Just to close, you know, that I believe the Holy Spirit is real. I believe if you're a believer here today that he's inside you. And I believe, just like those four things I said, I believe he wants to draw you into close fellowship with him. I really do. I really believe that a lot of us are missing the intimacy with the Holy Spirit that he would have for us. I believe he's draw, he wants to draw us into a closeness like you've never dreamed of. Let him. I believe he wants to empower you to leave behind the sin you hate. He doesn't want you struggling, beating yourself up about the things in yourself that you're not proud of. He doesn't want you to live constantly hampered by those things or dominated by those things. He wants to lead you into freedom and he wants to empower you to be free. He wants to enrich your understanding of his word. He wants to make these pages come alive to you. He wants to reveal his heart and his voice to you through his word. He wants to illuminate these pages and make them real and tangible and exciting for you. He wants to lead you into a dynamic, faith-filled, exciting adventure with him day by day. The question is, will you let him? Will you let him? And I leave that hanging as a challenge to you and to me. Will we let him, church? Will we let him? Will we let the Holy Spirit lead us? Or will we just be content? Will we just be satisfied with a kind of mediocre, half-hearted life? God forbid. Let us be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Just open up your heart to him. You know, there's lots of, lots of different people in here with lots of different experiences, lots of different journeys that they're on. Some of you may have been walking with God for, a, for many years. Some of you may not yet have crossed the line into what Christians would call a relationship with God. If you're here today and you're, you're right, you, you do believe in Jesus and you have a living relationship with him, just if you can, if you can honestly say, Holy Spirit, I want to take this thing deeper, then just respond in that way in your heart this evening. Just tell him, Holy Spirit, I want to go deeper with you. I want to get more wrapped up and tied up in your purposes. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear you speak to me. I want to see the miraculous follow me because I'm listening. I'm expecting and I'm initiating what you're saying. Just open up your heart wide to him. Remember, he said, I stand at the door and knock. The ball's in your court. So why don't you just make the most of that? Just say, Holy Spirit, have your way in me. Maybe there are one or two people here this evening that you can't honestly say that you do have this faith, this belief in Christ. You can't honestly say that 
you have crossed that line into relationship with him. Well, I didn't say a huge amount about it this evening, but Christians believe, the Bible teaches, that the way you come into relationship with God is through everything that Jesus has done. Simply what he's done for you is that he died on a cross. He was executed, he was murdered for your sin, the Bible says. The Bible says that he was perfect. He never sinned. And so he qualified to be a substitute for you. He paid the price that you deserve to pay. He died on a cross. The Bible says, moreover, that he rose from the grave. That is, he didn't stay dead on the third day. He rose from the grave. And he's alive in heaven for all eternity. He wants you with him. He wants you with him. And if you want to cross the line today into relationship with God, which will ultimately mean you spend eternity with him, then I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you. If you're in that camp, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer that responds to everything I've just said. And I want you to pray it under your breath between you and God. Just pray like this. God, thank you so much that you're real. I believe you're real. I believe you came in the form of Jesus. I believe, Jesus, you died for me. I believe you rose again on the third day. I believe you paid the price for my sin. So God, I turn away from my old life of sin. And I make a decision today to live for you. Please come, Holy Spirit, and fill me tonight. I want to be led by you. Thank you, God, you've heard my prayer. Thank you, you accept me. that today's message has helped you. If you want to find out more about us as a church, download more audio teaching, give us feedback, or make a contribution to our ongoing work and mission here in Edinburgh, please visit our website at destinyedinburgh.com. May God continue the great work that he is doing in your life.